Hi, everybody. Welcome into another edition, episode 89 of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. Good to be back after a two-week hiatus. No, we were not locked out. Locked out, locked out. We were not on strike. We were on a hiatus, a quick hiatus. Two weeks, yep. if, it, if there is such a thing. Good to be back, though. We are breaking down the swing of Buster Posey today, former San Francisco Giants catcher, possibly a Hall of Famer one day. As Epp has said before, catchers are a little bit stiff when they hit, but Buster Posey kind of breaks that trend. So we'll get into his swing in a little bit. Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 26, Episode 89. Great to have you in today, listening, watching on the YouTube side. Let me bring in professional evaluator, successful business owner, former coach, friend, co-host, uh, <clears throat> do you want to introduce your own name this time? I think the show has evolved to the point where you can introduce like your own name, right? I am Jake. Jake Epstein. Welcome in. Jake Epstein, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, um, great to be here. Great to be here, Jim. Looking forward to uh, looking at an uh, offensive catcher. You know, one thing that I think everybody's wondering, though, how did you go fishing prior to our recording today? when it is very cold where you are. It was like 55 today, that's why I did it. Right. Yeah, right. 55. Now, I'm not I'm not so, a fish a couple hours. I'm not a fish aficionado, but I'm going to guess you probably weren't as lucky as you might be in the summer, right? Because it's the winter time. The winter I actually caught a I, I didn't have a bite all day. I didn't see a fish all day and then I mm. hooked into a huge rainbow at the end. Amazingly, right. one of the biggest fish I ever caught today. So probably like a twenty-one inch rainbow. Right. But yes, typically in the winter time, it's cold, so the fish don't move. The water's water's cold. They're not as active. They don't eat as much. They get skinny. So you're probably catching like fifteen percent of the fish that you would normally catch in the summer when they're actively feeding. So yeah, it's a lot tougher. But sometimes on warm warm days, you can get out. And I just like doing it because I like to listen to the uh, river. It's very, very uh, relaxing. Well, that was a point right there. I'm going to cut you off because you should have said what you should have said was that was I like to listen to our podcast while I'm fishing. I don't. I don't listen to anything. But I'm sorry <laughs> about that. But I listen to my podcast on the drive to the river. You do? Yes. But once so you... I'm in the river, I just, I just want to hear the water. Well, we haven't been around for two weeks. So what have you been listening to for two weeks? We haven't done any new episodes. Oh, I listen to all of our reruns because it just makes me smarter. Right, right. So you're listening to yourself talk about <laughs> your your profession <laughs> and you're making yourself smarter. What a paradox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like Tom Brady right, so watching himself play yeah. football. Yeah. And well, actually, players do do that, don't they? See they where they do. can improve. They critique themselves. Yeah, they critique yeah. themselves. Um, so uh, you mentioned that we were on strike. We weren't. We were. We weren't on strike. <laughs> Jimmy, sarcasm. <Right>. Um, <clears throat> we weren't locked down either. Locked out. Locked down. Whatever. Fucking. Um, but and the one thing in the with the in, that was proposed in the new CBA that I want to talk to you about because you have this experience, I wrote it down while I wrote it in my phone here. But um, there's a couple of things that I think the Players Association or Major League Baseball, one of the two, they may have proposed in the next CBA whenever that gets done. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing though that intrigues me, the draft and follow. Now that was something that was outlawed years back, almost a decade, probably right around a decade ago, where it was done and pushed to the side, but the draft and follow, mm -hmm. in other words, you get drafted as a player out of high school, 
you signed with a team and I'm just giving the basic breakdown of it. You mm-hmm. signed with a team and they have your rights, but you don't start playing for them. You go off to a junior college, you play for, I don't know, a year or two, and then they decide whether or not they want to continue with that relationship draft and follow that's the draft and follow i want to talk to you about that was something that was proposed possibly going back into the cba are you for a draft and follow i'm actually for it i like the idea of that coming back and that was around when you were playing yeah well i remember it but i i don't know enough about it to me it seems kind of silly right why is that revisiting it well i i can you get your money i remember draft and follow was a junior college i thought it was a junior college only thing right it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do they get their money? They draft you. Do you actually sign? You must not sign a contract. They just, they just follow you and then they can give you a contract at the end of that junior college season. Okay. And then I guess that that player can either go to a division or a, a four-year school thereafter or sign a pro contract. It's very confusing. It seems like there's a lot of layers to it. So the draft um, and follow, what it is, um, the, the the team in the amateur draft selects you that, and they did not buy a team that did not intend to offer you a contract. Now, again, the typical draft and follow pick attending junior college, as you mentioned, with at least a year of eligibility remaining, the team that drafted him had a year to decide whether to offer him a professional contract before making the player eligible. So in other words, it's going, it goes back to what I said. They draft your rights. You don't get an immediate contract. Start kind of stinks, right? Like what if somebody else was going to draft that player and give them a contract? Well, they wouldn't if they're drafted, if they're considered draft and follow. And that's something that I think could be negotiated too with scouts and whatnot in the organization prior to the actual draft. Yeah. But what if, I mean, that's a late round person, right? Maybe, maybe it's a 35th round. And well, they don't have the they don't have 30 plus rounds anymore either. Yeah, but are they going to if they do a draft and follow? That's why. Yeah. Yeah. There I don't some, know. Some loopholes though. There are still yeah, some it used loopholes. to be kind of it, it used to be kind of cool, but I, I don't really get it cuz you just you get drafted the next year. You know, like have a good year, they'll either sign you or you could draft it by somebody else cuz you had a good year. The only reason they would follow you is because they don't want to, they don't want to pay you and put you into their minor league system. I don't know. Okay, I'm a little mum on it. I, I think it's mm, no. I don't. I don't know if I buy into it. Not for it. But it works. The, it works before. So I think the players though who are who are real underdogs, for example, who might get drafted in the later rounds, who couldn't get into a Division One institution academically, they would be. The, the guys who would be the best fit for that draft and follow type. Yeah. But why not put them in, in rookie ball? Um, well, it all, it all, well, because of the jump professional high school to professional baseball, I think it benefits teams was what I'm trying to say. It benefits teams. It behooves them to do this draft and follow because now instead of wasting whatever, how much money it might be a thousand bucks, they're still investing in that player drafting them and putting them in rookie ball, have them struggle rather than have them play a junior college, which is a good next step. As we know, as we've talked about on this show to division one yeah. college baseball or to professional baseball. I like the idea of them going and playing 
right. just don't understand why is there no contract? Then they can offer you a contract. I'm going to draft. No, well, they, they, they draft you and you, you basically sign with them. They, you sign away your, your professional rights to them. And I think there's an eligibility uh, clause and there's a, I think there's a clause for yeah. the amount of time that they have to sign you a, a certain yeah. window. And then what that money is when they do sign you. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm looking up right I'm, now. I'm sure the whole draft and follow is what's holding up the entire uh, CBA. I'm looking up. I, I just Googled, by the way, uh, looking up draft and follow players. I think Paul Laduco might have been one. Really? I think so. That's just off the top of my head. I read that in Baseball America like many, many years ago when the draft and yeah. follow was actually still in place. I can't find it on Google right now, but but so you're not for the draft, draft and follow. Draft and follow. There was a there were a lot of uh, human growth hormones in that era. Did you know too? Baseball by junior the way. college, like off the charts. I don't think they contest in junior college, but I could be wrong. I, well, that's what I mean. They would draft these guys and they would get massive junior yeah. college. Yeah. Uh, did you know, by the way, the I, I don't know if, if the agreement was reached, but the drug prevention program contract was also expired, too. Yeah, I did see that. <sighs> a lot of we've got a, things are really <laughs> coming apart. It <laughs> seems pardon the pun. Yeah, it's going to be. Well, you know, you, but you and I talked about it, though, prior to this deadline that they that they set for when spring training was going to be postponed about how they just didn't meet enough. And it's very strange that, that you don't have a CBA you've locked your players out and you take a whole month off for the holidays, not to get together. And you, you with, with realizing that you have a ton of ground that you have to make up and come close to, to getting some sort of deal done. There was, there was definitely no uh, urgency to right. trying to get this thing fixed. Yeah. So they're trying to, why? Because, you know, you, when you get pushed to get pushed into a corner, right, then people make decisions that they may not want to make. So yeah. they are going to wait till the, you know, 11th hour to, to make this happen. And hopefully it gets done, but I don't, I don't see it being done anytime soon. I hope it gets done by the end of the month. That would, mm -hmm. that would be helpful if it did. If it goes into mid-March or later, that's going to create a real problem. But so I think the players are, players are fine with it so you don't see it you don't see it because they're supposed to meet a lot at pretty much every day this week for a long time mm -hmm. during the day you don't see it getting done in within the next couple of weeks i don't i don't think no. so i mean we don't what what is today the night there's only nine days left in this month right nine or right. ten days a week and a half so i don't know i don't i don't see it just you know from the stuff that i've heard from you know uh the you know the player side more i i I've heard from it. It just seems like it's, it's not, it's not making headway. And maybe that's just their opinion. It's not making headway, but um, yeah, I think it might just be, it'll be, you know, their button heads, button heads, and then boom, they'll, they'll pound it out in two days kind of thing. Yeah. Right. I think they're just kind of given scraps and ideas and this and that. And then when push comes to shove and it's like, okay, the, the start of the season is going to get pushed back. Um, then all of a sudden we'll see it get done in 48 hours. Well, there is a certain deadline. I'm not sure what it was. Um, Jeff Bassan had it on Twitter, the certain deadline that they need to meet to to reach opening day. But I think mm -hmm. the thing that, that angers you the most, if you're a baseball fan in general, 
is the like you mentioned before, just overall the lack of urgency. These things happen with the money, the revenue. I think everybody mm-hmm. who's a smart fan understands that, but it's the lack of urgency where this could have been done if you were to start a month earlier trying to negotiate this. Then, mm-hmm. then you would be um, you'd be in a good position to to have spring training and to to get things started. Yeah, but they didn't. So now they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're, <laughs> they're having to rush. Yeah. You know, the, I would assume that the first week of March, if it's not done by the first by the end of the first week of March, they're going to run out of spring training time. Right. That's if they really rush spring training. That's a three week spring training. So, um, yeah, I would say right around if it's not done by the third or fourth of March, then you know the, the the start of the season will definitely get pushed back. Well, don't worry, everybody. We'll still be here for you. Giving you your that's right your baseball fix. We don't know if Buster Posey will be though. No, he he is retired. Buster Posey is retired. We'll get to him in yeah. a second. I, I want to ask you another question too. Um, yeah. There was a story out last week about major league teams, just major league baseball in general, wanting to cut more player jobs. I think up to 150 player jobs. The pay is already very low. You've been there before, and there's been talk in recent years. Players have spoken up about the pay being so low. They've they've shown their tax forms. I saw one earlier this week. A guy made eleven thousand dollars from playing professional baseball in the in the minor leagues in the player development system. I'm not sure which team doesn't really matter, but you were there at one point, getting paid very little to play professional baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you, what's your, I know it's kind of a broad question. What's your overall take on this where people are starting to now speak up and, and notice new guys, new players about how low their pay is and how it's affecting their lives. But then there's the, the other side of the coin where there's older players who are starting to speak up and say, Hey, look, you know, we went through it and we got to the major leagues. You either are tough enough to get through it, tough it out or you're not, and you go off and retire. And you were kind of part of that uh, that group, at least you played during that era. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's... Uh, they're not paid. They're not paid very much money. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's more the quality of life than yeah. it is the, the money itself. If, if they went and played in the minor leagues, but the housing was covered and paid for. Right. Um, the food was good. They mm-hmm. got, you know, like quality food yeah. three to four times a day. They had access to protein shakes or smoothies or uh, protein bars, whatever, hydration, that kind of stuff. Then making a thousand bucks a month is, mm-hmm. would be fantastic. Right. The problem is college athletes are treated better than professional athletes. Not all of them, but the majority of Division One players, they get better food. Um, you know, they get better nutrition mm-hmm. for sure. They they have their quality of life is better. The travel is better. Um, so the issue I have with the minor leagues, look, nobody plays minor league baseball because they want to make a living playing minor league baseball. So the old school guys, I get it. Like, there's you're scraping by because you want to be a big leaguer. Like that's yeah. why you do it. You want to keep moving up and you understand that if you don't move up and you're out, then you're out, but you, you're not going to like have a 401k playing minor league baseball. So, so that part of it, I, I, I don't think they necessarily need to be paid more. Um, I, I don't think 
there's not a ton of fans. It's not like the 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 lower minor league you know ballparks and and, and franchises are making a ton of money. So no, I don't think they need to make more money. I think more money needs to be spent. I, I think that the the issue is, uh, you know, for instance, when I was in the minor leagues, and it's, and it's similar to this today, probably, you know, I made $850 a month. It cost me $250 a month, uh, to, which was cheap, to share a room with a couple other guys. I had to buy food. We we didn't really have a spread. You know, maybe there were some peanut butter sandwiches in the, in the locker room. Yeah. Um, I had to rent a bed. Um, which was 20 or $30. We rented a TV. We had cable. Uh, you know, there wasn't internet then, so we didn't have to worry about that. But I probably had a, you know, I don't know even know if I had a cell phone yet. They were just, I think I had my first cell phone then. But you're 850 after taxes is 600 bucks, and you've already spent 600 bucks just to pay for your place to live. And now you got to eat somehow. So where does that money come from? It comes from your parents or it comes from your off-season job of work. Who's going to hire you for six months a year, right? So you're going to work ballet or you're going to wait tables or work at a bar or be a bouncer or whatever it is. So the lifestyle is a lifestyle. You're not going to make a ton of money. But if you could pocket 700 bucks a month at least because your expenses were paid for, like in spring training, you get meals and you get your apartment paid for. If spring, if that just continued, but you don't get Glad you brought that up. I was going to bring that up. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Here's the problem I have players, the players, major league players. I don't care as much minor league players though, do not get paid during spring training. And I think that is a, that is a, a gross legal, illegality, illegality. Let me try that again. Mm-hmm. Gross illegality. I should have done my I should have done some voice, yeah. voice tongue twisters before I got on the uh, the show this, today. But that to me, I don't know how they found the loophole in that. But you are there at spring training, minor league spring training. You are working out. You are working for that organization and they are not paying you. That should be illegal. That's the only problem I have with what you're what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, they're requiring you to be there. Correct. But they're not paying you. They but can't they're not do that. Paying you, but it's also practice time. That, that, but yeah, they're, that they're, not, they're not selling tickets or concessions to you so know, players. So games, players when league. they're so players when they're rehabbing, trying to get back to mm-hmm. the major league level, but they're still getting paid their salaries. That's practice mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's my my point. They can but pay that, for the, yeah. Can pay I mean that's the, injury during the season. Um, yeah. No. I, I mean they I can pay it. for the hotels and the 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 lodging all they want, but. Right. You can't, you cannot, you can't not pay a player when they're working out in spring training, getting ready for the season. You just can't, to me, you just can't do that. I, I find it the equivalent yeah. of uh, working with human resources or doing some sort of getaway with a company. You're still getting, you're, you're getting paid. It's, you know, they can't just say, well, we're not going to pay you this week because you're on a no, you're right. getaway. You like know? I'm training, uh, you know, some, some uh, new people at the lab, right? Right. They're, they're training the, yeah. the next couple of weeks while we're paying them, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I get it. Like, I, I don't think it's and, – and, and the owners make so much money that it, yeah. it, it's wrong. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get the spring training thing, yeah, but I, I think if you combined it, look, you give the guys – so spring training is an extra month. You give right. an extra month of their salary. Minor yeah. league uh, minor league spring training – three and a half weeks. Like it's not very long. It's not nearly as long as big league camp. Correct. So 
you could just start their contract a month earlier. What's the big deal? But I definitely think the whole housing and nutrition um, needs to be, and that helps the organization. You're fueling your athletes. You're putting good gas in the car. Like what, why would you want them to just live on the bananas and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the clubhouse? Right. right? Cause that's what people do. They try to save their per diem cause there's no money. Or what are they using 20 bucks a, a day on? meal wise, right? They're going yeah. to McDonald's. That's terrible. So feed them, put them in a good place, cover their expenses, give them their thousand bucks a month. I think that makes everybody happy. All right. Well, let's get into our listener question before we get to Buster Posey. And this comes to us from Tom Johnson, who has emailed us before. He is a loyal listener, I assume. Uh, it's a good question about Chris Taylor's mechanical. I don't know if it's a question. And his son might be the best eight-year-old swing that I've worked with. They're part of the online academy. Right. Oh, how, how do you, what uh, is that? By the way, he may online have academy. at seven. This yeah. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. The online uh, academy. Yeah. I want to hear about on the online ever. academy and I want to hear about the lab. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm very intrigued <laughs> because you just mentioned you hired new people. You're training yeah, them. So you're I'm paying to them to train, which is what, you know, companies, real companies. Go I ahead. keep thinking the Johnsons are from like the Northeast, but for some reason, they might be like from the Virginia area. No, but, I think I know. Yeah. Where well, you know what? You're probably right. Does yeah. it say? Yeah, I think you're right. Anyway. Say where he's from. So, yeah, they started, you know, and this kid was so raw and, and just starting like kid pitch, you know, at age seven or eight. And here's, and so they sent in the swing. I said, okay, this is what we need to work on. And we just built it like one layer at a time. Let's work on the upper body here. Let's work on his hands and elbows. Boom. They were diligent for a couple months. Okay. Now let's build in a stride. Okay. Now we're starting to, you know, combo those two. Now we can work the stride with the upper body moves. Okay. Let's slow that down more. Let's, you know, increase his knee depth. Oh, anyway, this kid's going to be awesome. He worked yeah. so hard. There's nothing more I look, but like more than than working with players from, um, you know, three thousand miles away or two thousand miles away, and we create a relationship because they send in videos every week, and I'm able to to help them along the process with drills and analysis. So uh, yes. anyway, so for more information, log on to um, what is FCHitting. it? Com. Com. Yeah, yeah. Right. And the lab. What anything coming do? up at the lab this week that I should know about? Uh, spent some good time at the lab. Lab's getting busy. High school season starting, so we're getting trying busy. to get all our high school dudes in there between games, uh, you know, so it's, it's a fun time to be at the lab. This is a very busy time of year and it's so much fun when we have, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of activity going on, mm. you know, on the, on the property, whether it's in the cages, running guys through live at bats, whether it's outside practices, it's just a, it's a fun time of year. All right. So for more information, log on to the lab bcs.com. And of course you can call, <laughs> Let's get to our listener question. This comes to us via Tom from Northern Virginia. He is, you're right. He is from Northern Virginia. He writes via jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. Hey, Jim, in the Chris Taylor mechanical breakdown, you both noted how similar the Dodger swing was between Taylor and Betts. The Virginia Baseball Coaches Association had a Zoom session with Chris Taylor and his UVA coach, Coach O'Connor, on the 15th. I asked Chris about his swing and mechanical influence. After struggling to stay in the minors, Taylor noticed that smaller guys like Mookie Betts were able to hit the ball 
with power, whereas Taylor had no home runs up to that point and couldn't solidify a permanent spot on the roster. So Taylor decided he needed to change his swing. He initially used YouTube videos of Josh Donaldson and hitting instructor Bobby Tewksbury. He did T work and experimented with the Donaldson big leg kick, but wasn't successful. When he was in Southern California, Robert Van Skoyak. Did I say that right? I'm not sure I said that right. Sorry, Robert, if I... Do you know of him, Robert Van Skoyak? Yeah, is yeah. the uh, Dodger hitting coach now? Okay. Saw Taylor working in the cage and asked him if he wanted help. They spent two weeks together, in the, and the offseason came. Taylor spent the entire offseason traveling back and forth from his home in Virginia Beach to Southern California, working with Skoyak. The upcoming season had his breakout year, and Chris hit 21 home runs. For hitting drills, he said one of his favorites to come back to is a drill very similar to Jake's two-hand upper body drill. So it seems that Betts and Soyak were big influences. The breakdown series was excellent. Keep up the great work. And that is from Tom, loyal listener from Northern Virginia. Not as much a listener question, but nonetheless, still no, that was good content. That's awesome. Thank you, content. Tom, for that email. Yeah. Awesome content for sure. Yeah. Sometimes you got to make a change, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about Justin Turner making that change, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, you know, changing from, you know, really a guy at Fullerton that was a, a bunter. He was a second baseman that bunted a lot and wasn't, you know, considered a highly offensive guy and came up, you know, with the Mets and he hit a little bit and played because he was versatile. And then all of a sudden, you know, same thing. So what I see with those guys is, yeah, they they have bigger weight shifts. You know, that's the big thing that they that they adjusted. Those guys all have bigger rhythms and bigger weight shifts, and they sink into the ground. Um, you know, all the other stuff that they talk about, they probably tried to create more torque and separation, which, um, again, my dad kind of brought to brought to light. You know, mm-hmm. twenty five years ago, um, but never gets credit for some reason. It's really amazing when I read and see all these things. So Tom Verducci just wrote something about uh, Yelich. I saw, I read on Sports Illustrated and was it Sports Illustrated or ESPN? I think it was Sports Illustrated. Verducci, you know, and all this stuff about, you know, separation and hips and and whatnot. And it was like, you know, my dad, Ted Williams said it right in 1972 or whatever that was when he wrote that book. Um, and then my dad kind of brought it to the public in the, in the late nineties. Um, but now everybody's a genius, you right. know, talking about it. So right. it's like, if, if you're to, if it's in a medical journal, right. You have to be quoted. So it'd be nice if, uh, my dad was, you know, given a little bit of credit once in a while, he did put it into text a long yeah. time ago. Well, this is the problem. With, anyway, uh, my, this, my, my, my soapbox is over now. Well, no, I was going to say this is the problem, though, with the new school coaches and, and every, they just like it's just word salad. They like to use yeah. bigger words and bigger terms for what was used before them and generations before them. And that's the problem that I think old school coaches. Yeah. And you put it on YouTube have. and it's yours. Right. right and you then you're on. right. Yeah. But regardless, uh, that guy's a good hitting coach because he communicates information properly. So content means nothing if you can't get the player to change and he obviously gets players to change. So I have a lot of respect for people that are able to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you again, Tom. And if you have any questions, everybody email us Jimbo podcast, 21 at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Jim Tara at Epstein hitting on both Twitter and 
Instagram. Let's get into Buster Posey here, Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 26. I'm just looking over Buster Posey's numbers. He never hit outside his final year, played in 114 games. He hit 257, but outside of that, he never hit below 280 at the major league level. His career batting average, 304. He hit 100 and... I'm sorry, his career batting average. Okay, let me start over. I made a mistake. He had 257 in 2019. But last. It's hard to find a good podcast these days. Let me tell you. It's hard to find a good podcast host these days. Uh, His final year, he had 304, and he played in 113 games. His career batting average, 302. What was he before his injury? The injury. He had a couple of injuries. Which one are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, but the one where that guy slid into him and broke his ankle. That was his rookie year, I think. Or right around no, his rookie year. No, that was his rookie year. It was 2010 when that happened. No, no, no. That was 2011 when it happened because he only played in 45 games that year. After that, the year after that, he came back uh, and he did this in succession. 336, 294, 311, 318, 288, 320, 284, 257, 304. <sighs> Really? Uh, must have been well, he's a factor. career 302 hitter. He hit yeah, 158 no, I mean, he home some, runs in his career, 729 RBIs in his career, played in 1,371 games, 663 runs, 1,500 hits. And here's the kicker. Here's what I like. He walked 540 times, struck out 721. Yeah. Pretty good ratio, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, I, get the, I mean, he could hit. And, and it, honestly, if Posey was, and he was a great catcher, yeah. but if, if he was a first baseman and he didn't have injuries, you know, he didn't get beat up, I bet he would have been a lifetime 320 hitter. He mm-hmm. just he just got beat up. But yeah. I'll tell you what, the guy, I mean, we're, we're going to look at his swing here, but he was so solid, fundamentally solid. And, um, you know, really was a can't miss guy, super great human being um, out of Florida State. And, mm-hmm. I would say the Giants did a pretty good job with that with that with that draft pick. Um, I might as well just so anyway, ask we'll, you, when yeah, he played twelve years. It. I might as well just ask you straight out: mm-hmm. Is he a Hall of Famer? You think? Oh wow! I don't, I don't know, know if the numbers 12, are there. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the numbers are there. Yeah, I do think you know the World Series. You know, having three World Series. You know, is Terry Bradshaw, Bradshaw a Hall of Famer? Yes. Okay. Because his his numbers weren't great either, but he won Super Bowls because he had great defense. He's very upset about that not being known as one of the goats. Hey, you. Uh, but he played you, on a really. Are you against Terry Bradshaw today, or what's the deal? <laughs> no, I, he was so upset that he's not mentioned with like Brady and Manning. Well, that's yeah, that's a little ridiculous. You know, be, well, because I don't know. I mean, Bradshaw won some Super Bowls. I don't know how many, but they also had that steel curtain defense, right? They had a good team. So what I'm saying is, you know, Posey's a winner, right? Like he handled staff. Um, he won three World Series. So does that put him in the Hall of Fame? Um, he was a leader on those three teams. He was an offensive captain on those three teams. Uh, that's stuff called. But I think if you just go by the numbers, I, I'm not sure that that would, would get him in. But um, you never know. Sports writers like him. That's always helpful. Yeah, we talked about that with the whole Hall of Fame. But um, Terry Bradshaw's career statistics, since you asked, 212 touchdowns, 210 picks. Hmm. 
his rookie year, ready for this, 1970, with the Steelers. Played 13 games, started eight. He threw six touchdowns, 24 picks. Can you imagine if if a first-round quarterback in today's world did that? They'd be considered like a bust with it. They would be They done. did, yeah. Drew Locke did that. And he, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but they like were going to run him out of town. Yeah. Peyton Manning led the league in interceptions his rookie year, I believe. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Well, I actually like it. I think those guys, they're not afraid. They're going down there slinging it. And, yeah. oh, they like Eli it. Manning, for example. Yeah, he likes anyway, to, likes to, he so likes no to sling, sling so, the old pig, yeah. pigskin. Yeah, I don't know if Posey will, will make it. I think I think it'll be close. I think people want him to make it, you know. But um, if you go by the numbers by themselves, it, it might be tough. But you know what? Career 300 hitter in this day and age, pretty good. I'm making a pact for myself, by the way, and those watching on the YouTube side can see this. Next week. I am. It's always. It's. It's like every week. It's like Jim versus the the lighting round eighty nine. Next week, I'm gonna have better lighting. I promise everybody watching. I don't know what's happening. I don't even. It's getting darker out. I don't know what you know. You just look like a solo. Oh, you're in a new room. There's no fan behind you. Yeah, you finally noticed. I'm in a new. The lighting is behind you. You need to bring it in front. See, I still have some sunlight here in Colorado. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna move the lighting next week. I'm gonna it's gonna it's like turning into this into a set now. I gotta like create like a set every week when we. Yeah, you kind of look like when you know on those uh, what are those shows called Datelines? You know where they have the people. Oh right, and, you and they, they, their, you can just see yeah. their silhouette. That's what you look like. But yeah, yeah. Jim versus the lighting. All right, well, let's get after. Uh, yes, Buster after- Posey Mechanical Breakdown Series Volume Twenty Six. Let's get into the swing breakdown. Okay, so uh, again, this is the podcast breakdown of Buster Posey. We have uh, kind of a pitch that's in, and I have another pitch that's low and away, and, and we'll be able to look at that one in a, in a minute, but. The, the best part about Posey, I remember reading something where he said, sometimes I hit my helmet with my bat as I'm bringing my hands through. And that's because he has the shortest approach to the ball you could find. So if we bring Posey to what, you know, we call the short, short approach, you know, all uh, Epstein hitting guys, it's this position here where the chest starts to open. Notice how close that bat gets to his shoulder. Notice how close it gets to his neck. Notice how close it gets to his head. You cannot cover pitches in and keep them fair unless you do it. What's also cool about this swing is, you know, a lot of people will do that and then they get tied up, right? They don't extend. But notice how he still gets his bat head out in front. He still gets his right elbow in front of his rib cage, okay? His right elbow angle if we look at it, it's much bigger than 90 degrees, okay? It's still at 113. That's typically where it is on most pitches, 110 to 120. Um, but look at the catcher's mitt, right? I mean, this pitch, is, this pitch is inside. I don't know how far in, you know, I mean, I don't know if the catcher was set up outside and it, it ran in that much, so he had to reach in. But you could definitely tell that it's an inside pitch because of how close that bat stayed. What I love about what Posey does is he keeps that bat vertical for a really long time. Okay, you can see that barrel is straight up. His top hand here as he's rotating is facing forward. It's not facing the sky yet. Okay, he hasn't lost the barrel. The barrel's staying above his hands for a really long time. 
when does the barrel finally drop below his hands? You know, not until right here, not until he gets that knob way out in front of his lead elbow. So it's just a fantastic, his, you know, his hands are so good covering those pitches. Notice this angle between his forearms. Okay. You know, 83 degrees. Notice how consistent it is. It's 83 degrees there. It's 83 degrees there. He doesn't have any manipulation happening with his back elbow, right? He's pulling with his lead arm. He's getting the knob out in front. Notice how still his head is. It's kind of creepy how still the head is, but it's great. And then if we look at this pitch plane, here's the ball here. Let's see if I can get a number on that. Such a great video because of the, the frame rate. You know, the slow motion, Clary. So it's it's a fastball, right? It's only dropping whatever, close five or six degrees. But again, look at his barrel. Where does his barrel go? Does it dump underneath that green line deep in the zone? No. Uh -uh. He doesn't get his barrel to that line until his front knee, front his front shin. Okay, that's because you got to hit it out in front. If you let this ball travel, what's he going to do? He's going to get jammed. Okay, so he got to hit it out in front. Well, if you hit it out in front, the only way to do that is to come in a little bit steeper. And that's why if you teach players to throw the barrel or turn the barrel behind them, they're not going to be as consistent doing this, hitting balls out in front. And he launches this, you know, it's like probably eight degrees off the bat. It was a low line drive in the left field, right? It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't an extra base hit, but it's just a solid swing. And look how long he's on that green line. Okay. Pretty consistent. He could have barreled that up probably back here at his knee definitely there and, and and then definitely out in front so he's probably on plane on a pitch in for you know roughly 20 inches or so okay yeah. and again no wrist roll you know he doesn't cover up his left wrist until really late this is also a tell tell sign that the pitch was inside look at where his right arm extends in the bat see how that's down the left field line or foul okay that oftentimes that's how you know where the pitch was so i'm gonna load in uh another swing here Okay, so just kind of bear with me. We can talk through it, Jim. If you have any, if you have any yeah. questions, um, no questions. I just I want to remark about how you always talk about um, cutting the trap, if you will, with the bat. Yeah, and he does it perfectly. Yeah, he's like the trap master. Yeah, <laughs> he he really is. Um, like he, he's, and I always tell players if we're going to teach that you know, keeping the bat vertical, that's what you got to do. So, uh, Jim, if I, if I look here, just kind of bear with me, we can edit this if necessary, but I want you to have this video too. Oh, you're sending it to me. Well, you know, well, while we, while you were talking, I'll, I'll, I turned on the TV behind me and now I have a little bit more light on me, but I'm more bluish. <laughs> like I'm, you're like a smurf. It's like I'm in the club. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sad, sad man. All right. Maybe I can't send it to you. Oh. That's so weird. Well, I, oh, I will wait, say that um, with Posey, he gets great leverage, hits behind behind a firm front side. And you can see, I guess you can see in his mechanics, his swing really has never changed from the time he got to the major league level to the time he retired. And I think it's incredible how short he is to the baseball and how long he stays on plane for. 
it's really a pretty swing. And, and I think if it's not built, I mentioned the 158 home runs that he had in his career. It's not built for power, his swing, I don't think. Yeah. But it's built for gap to gap. And I think that's, yeah, that's sure. why he didn't have as many home runs as he did, but that's why he hit for such a high average. I did get that new video, by the way. So let okay. me uh, get into that All right. here. So, All right. So let's, let's break. Uh, so this is a, a low pitch. And I don't know what year this is, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is an older, like he's younger in this video. Okay. But if you bring him to toe touch and heel plant, it's as good as it gets. Okay. Yeah. So it, at heel plant, look at the depth of his front shoulder. Look at the bat, the barrel, middle of the barrel is kind of right over his head. The knobs facing back towards his catcher. Okay. Um, notice this angle between his, his bat and his, his left forearm, mm-hmm. okay? It's really tight, okay? That's going to create a ton of whip. But the key is with that angle between the bat and the forearm, so this, this guy right in here, okay? Watch how he stores it because he doesn't throw the barrel away from his head, right? He's storing that energy as he pulls through. So see how he's pulling the knob down more towards his belt, towards his belly button? But as he's doing that, see how the barrel stays up? He's meaning he's keeping this angle right in here between his forearm and his bat. Most people in this position, that barrel would be way out here outside of his shoulder on a low pitch. They would throw that barrel out, okay, or try to turn it behind him more. He's holding that right wrist angle. So again, we're looking at this pitch. Here's his approach position. Again, when the bat's parallel to the pitch, it's still beautiful. Okay, yeah. the knob is in front of his front elbow. The bat's, you know, hasn't the barrel hasn't dropped below his his uh, hands yet. If we look at this pitch down here, pretty sure that's the pitch there. I mean, this pitch is. Well, I don't even know if it's a strike. No, it's not. I don't think it is. Yeah, I mean it's it's like ten degrees, so it's either it's probably a breaking ball. But notice how he planes out. He doesn't plane out until his front ankle. And then watch how he extends his right arm and his hand through that plane. Do you know how hard it is to get on plane with a pitch that low, which is below his knees? Mm-hmm. Like, it's really hard. It's much easier to get on plane with high pitches. But low pitches, typically pe- people will be on plane for like two or three inches. Mm-hmm. Notice how long his barrel's on plane for, you know, probably at least 14 to there before it comes off. So if you look at his power V here, this is why, you know, you have to look at video because, and you can't teach the same swing to everybody on, on, on the same pitch. You can't just take dry swing off a tee all the time, right? You, you have to move the ball around and see how they're going to react. But if you look at his power V, it looks like he swung straight down here, yeah. right? His power V is facing the ground. His barrel is pointed towards the ground somewhere between home plate and the pitcher's mouth. Okay. Yet, he swung up through the ball 10 degrees through the contact zone. Okay. So it's a really cool swing to see how players adjust to low pitches. Okay. And again, what's the adjustment? If you look at him at launch, he looks the same. He's pulling his hands down and forward. Now, the key to that is a lot of players pull their hands down mm-hmm. right here, but they do that on all pitches. And then they have to pull the knob back up to their chest, and that creates a lot of problems. So what you're going to do, for instance, 
Thomas Johnson can do this because he's an Epstein Online Academy member. <laughs> but I have I, I have videos in there about you know hitting the low pitch and hitting the high pitch and what the adjustments are and what the hand path is. Um, but that's exactly what he's doing here. Okay, like on a low pitch, your hands are going to have to end up here. On a high pitch, they're going to have to end up more at your letters. So the the, the more efficient you can be getting to those areas from launch, okay, if he's going to go to a low pitch, it might be like this, okay, or a medium pitch, and then a super low one might be like that. That's the key. But if you have downs and ups with those moves, if they're shallow like he's doing there, we're good. If they go down and up, it's, it's not good, you know, when you're reviewing video. So anyway, just a, a cool pitch to – to kind of look at since we looked at a pitch that was up and in this is obviously a pitch that is low and away looking at the catcher's mitt <laughs> okay it's not even a strike but when you can hit you can hit so if you're going to copy one thing of buster posey mm -hmm. it's number one his stride is so beautiful like he's so stable with his right hip and his right knee and his right foot and he has a little bit of a leg kick and a weight shift so that's number one Number two, his launch position is great. Front shoulders down. And then number three is from launch to short approach. Whether it's a high pitch or a low pitch, that bat always stays really close to his head as he rotates. He keeps that top hand really vertical. And that's why he hits for a high average. And that's why his, his power numbers weren't huge. But his power numbers also weren't huge because he played in San Francisco. And that is not a good ballpark to hit. And he was a good right center field hitter. And you're not going to hit home runs to right center there um, in San Francisco. He also didn't, you know, later in his career, the balls got really hard. Okay. But he, he was older and kind of beat up by then. So, um, you know, for me, his swing could have been, you know, built for more home runs, but it was definitely built for, you know, a high average kind of guy. Yeah. And he gets great torque too. And you can really see it on that second video. Yeah, um, with his where his chest is facing with the letters as compared to his lower body. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, mechanically speaking, if you're going to, you know, look at a player and, and, and look for checkpoints, you know, mm -hmm. stride, launch, short approach, regular approach, contact, mm -hmm. power V, you know, yeah. a lot of the stuff that we do with our certification training, he's, he's, a, he's a model citizen, you know, yeah. I mean, he's a really good player to look at because it fits you know, pretty much every player like you could teach. If I'm going to teach a, an eight-year-old, like that would be the baseline moves I would teach an eight-year-old. If I had a 25-year-old that needed to adjust some things, you would go to Posey as well. And you could use, you know, and try to get your hands and try to get your body and your knees and your shoulders all in the same position. Well, great stuff right there. Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 26 of Buster Posey. We're going to take a little bit of a break uh, from our mechanical breakdowns. And next week, we're changing the topics up a little bit. We are going to talk about, because spring training is here for some minor leaguers, should be here for major leaguers. But nonetheless, we're going to talk about a spring training approach offensively and, and how you should go about that. Uh, the proper spring training approach if you are a professional baseball player and how to get ready for the season. So we'll be talking about that next week. We'll be doing more mechanical breakdowns. Uh, we did Corey Seager. So we'll be breaking down. We've Trey done Turner. a lot of breakdowns. Yeah, we'll be doing Trey Turner here in about eight weeks, <laughs> about a month. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we got a lot to do. Yes, we got a lot to do. So, yeah, um, yeah that's uh, coming up next week, though, our spring training. We also have some lighting work we need to work and on. And some lighting. I'm in the club right now. 
Yeah. Or it's a <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> ins, ins, ins. Um, next week. That is next week. Yes. Spring training approach. Uh, do you have anything else before we, because we already did our promos. That's out of the way. So uh, do you have anything else that you need to get to before we sign off? I don't think so. No. All you players getting ready for the season, make sure you get your work in. Yes. And all of you players that submitted video to the online academy, I will get back to them as soon as possible. Apparently, all of you wanted to send them in on the same day, which happened to be Friday, the 18th of February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to spread them out, peeps. No, anyway, so uh, for those of you that are waiting, if I haven't gotten back to you by the time you hear this, um, know that they should be done uh, very, very soon. All righty. Well, Usually thank I you. get them done the next day, but I got like 40 people that sent them in. Yeah. Take time. All righty. Well, all. thank you uh, for listening, everybody watching on the YouTube side. Be sure to follow us on social media and we will talk to you next week. Take care.